folks uh, second podcast here for my Fairbanks trip very happy to be joined by Ryan Binkley where's the band where it's not... I wanted to sing along with the... where's the intro band sorry well we have the intro it just played you're, you're, gonna, you're not gonna hear it but it's gonna it's an awesome intro have I know I love it that's why I wanted to sing along yeah that's uh high energy no filter you add that later um the guy who does the, the podcast you're he, always he, producing aren't you Jeez. He's always producing content pulling back the curtain that's the magic I gotta say we're here at your house you let me stay the <laughs> night last night and great place right on the river here I was on the boat. You get, you hooked me up with a riverboat cruise, and not only did I get go on the boat, but they let me go on the wheelhouse, and I was able to blow the whistle. Yeah, basically the peak of my, you of nailed, my trip. You did it just perfect too. I saw a video. Very, very. Uh, yeah, it was it was great. You guys, so you guys, your family's had that business for hundred twenty years, right? No, not that business. So, um, well, the the, the boat, the boat, the boat. We've been doing boating in this part of the world, yeah, since eighteen ninety eight. Is when my great grandfather came here from Indiana for the Klondike Gold Rush. And uh, like a lot of young folks at that time, he, you know, he wanted a life of adventure and the and economics in the Midwest were tough. So he moved west and then north and, and followed all of the gold miners when the Klondike gold rush struck. And he left, through, left from Seattle and went up to Skagway and hiked over the Chilkoot Pass down into Lake Bennett. There's a famous picture of those folks yeah. walking up that. Because I lived in Skagway for a summer yeah, right. in 08. And, um, yeah, it's and they had to go there's... back and forth like multiple times. I forget what the specs were. They had to carry enough gear to survive. The Mounties wouldn't let them in if they didn't have enough gear. So you had to make multiple trips up and down the, the, the Chilkoot Trail to get up and over the, the what was it called, the Golden Staircase or something like that, yeah, and that... down into the, into the lake. So, so your, your, your great-grandfather, was he was one of the smart ones. He was... Selling goods and services, yeah. he wasn't actually going because the guys who sold the goods and services made the money. Yeah, he, only a few he, folks found gold. Right, he wasn't a gold miner. He's a boat guy from from Indiana. He knew how to build boats and operate boats, and so he started doing that, building rafts, and then and then you know eventually captaining boats. And he had a business in Southeast Alaska, like you said, hauling uh, goods and people all over Southeast Alaska. And that's how he started in this business. And, and so how did he come? To, how did he get to Fairbanks? Well, he died. He lived in Wrangell. Worked on the Stikeen River and some others in Southeast. And when my grandfather was five, he passed away. My great-grandfather passed away. And my grandfather never really knew his father. And his mother was in Wrangell. She was from California. Had moved up to be with her husband. And oh uh, was living in Wrangell in the, in, the, in the early 1900s, in the, in the 20s. And so she moved back home and raised my grandfather in California. And so he grew up in California. Had been born in Alaska, but grew up in California. And when he was 18 and had finished high school, he wanted to follow in his dad's footsteps, who he never really knew. And he did the same thing his father had done. He moved back into Southeast Alaska and got a job working on boats, you know, just scrubbing the deck as a deckhand. And he worked his way up over the years. He had a, a multi, uh, you know, a couple decades long career in boating and uh, became a captain and then started his own business up in the interior, hauling freight up here on the Yukon River, and he would haul stuff out of Fairbanks and Nenana all the way from Whitehorse, Yukon Territory, out to the Bering Sea and spend all summer going back and forth hauling goods and, and people and all supplies and all sorts of things. So they were saying on the tour, I mean, they had like a pretty short window of time they right. could do that, right? And they right. just do so many trips, and they were saying on some of the, somebody would try to do one last trip that was like the moneymaker, but then they would, they would get stuck sometimes in the, in the ice. 
Yeah, it happens. It happens all the time. I mean, you know, it's a risky business. Uh, the, the captains were really renowned for their ability to navigate these rivers because the rivers up here in Alaska, in interior Alaska, are very shallow. That's why they used flat bottom paddle wheelers. Yeah, I can't believe they were saying that at certain points on that riverboat, you're like six inches from the, the, yeah. the like the boat six inches six, six inches from the bottom of the ocean or the river. The river yeah, sure, sure, exactly. Uh, and then and then the Yukon and Tanana rivers, you know, there's so much silt in the water that there are sandbars everywhere, and they can be just inches below the surface, and you might not know that they were there. And the channel is always changing. So if you went through a spot and you found the deep water, you could come back two weeks later and it could be somewhere else because all of this sand is always shifting on the river bottom. And so these captains developed this ability to read the river and they were, that's why they were so famous, a lot of them, because they could get through these spots that nobody knew how they did it. And uh, occasionally they made mistakes. Like you said, if they were operating near the end of the season, it could be risky because you didn't want to get stuck in the ice out on the Yukon River, even in the Tanana River. It's really destructive because in the springtime when those rivers break up, if you've seen, ever seen a video of it, there's big icebergs that come down, you know, multi-ton chunks of ice that uh-huh. just would smash any boat in there. So you definitely didn't want to get stuck in those rivers, you know, for, for freeze up. And that would happen sometimes if they misjudged the weather or the, uh, the channel and got stuck and got frozen in. And these are like old wood boats, right? Yep, yep, they were wood boats back then. So then at some, at some point your family started the uh, tor- tourist part of the the discovery boats. There. Right. So uh, my grandfather was working as a riverboat captain in the summer, and then he would take odd jobs in the wintertime and was working up at the power plant at the university where he met my grandmother, who came to Alaska to attend the university. And they had a family and started putting down roots and built a house here in Fairbanks. And so it was kind of a tough lifestyle being gone all summer. It was great when he was young and single, but once he had a family, it wasn't as fun. And so he was looking for something else to do. And at the same time, coincidentally, a fellow named Chuck West travel agent from the Seattle area, was bringing the first organized tour groups all the way up into the interior of Alaska, what we would consider, you know, the modern version of tourism. It was just getting started in 1950. They were here to see Denali, and they were going to fly out of the Fairbanks International Airport, but flights not being as frequent then as they are now had some time in Fairbanks, and so he was trying to find something for his passengers to do the next year when he was going to bring them. And he asked around town, and and somebody said, you should talk to Jim Binkley. He was a really outgoing, personable guy. And so they got together, and they were fast friends, and they partnered. He helped stake my grandfather uh, for buying to buy, buy a boat. He bought his first boat uh, for tourism. It was a 17-passenger cabin cruiser called the Godspeed. It was owned by the Episcopal bishop who used it to travel all over interior Alaska, uh, Bishop, bishop Gordon. But then he got his pilot's license, and so he sold the boat to my grandfather. And the first year, they carried a couple hundred folks, and they made enough money just to pay off the payments on the boat. And then they worked all winter, and then uh, and then they were off and running. That was 1950. Now it's and, like uh, I mean, yesterday that Discovery Three. I don't. It was pretty. It was full. I don't know how many people can go on there when it's full. The boat's licensed. The Discovery Three, our, our main boat, is licensed for 900 passengers, but we don't usually carry that many because yeah, I, I it'd be too crowded. It was hundred. I mean, it was hundreds of people on there, and it yeah. was even then it was pretty crowded trying yeah. to get on, get on, and get off. And it was cool. Like you. First time I ever did it, you know, they stop and they talk to Susan Butcher's husband and he's got like a radio headset and you can, he talks to the boat and then they go to this camp and they have showing like the fish wheel and you get off. I mean, it's really, it's really great. I mean, for the money too, it's like you get a lot of value out of that. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, it's been a fun time. You, you, you hooked me up, but I mean, for the people... <laughs> for the I, money you paid, I, it was I, a great time. I, I, but I know. 
<laughs> no, but I checked the prices. I mean, it's it's really. I mean, for what you get for paying that, it's like a great. I mean, it's a oh, three it's hour nice great experience. Yeah, you know? it's been. I mean, it's it's a fun business. We get to go up and down the river all summer long. It beats like working in an office, you know. And everybody who comes to see us is so jazzed to be here. We take it for granted because we've lived here, you know, for a long time. This is our home. But when people come here, this landscape is foreign to them. You know, being you know, mm-hmm. this close to nature is different for folks who grew up in the city. And so they look at this place that uh, is routine to us with this childlike wonderment. So it's fun to get to show this place to these people. And, and you run the business now, right? You're, yeah. yeah and and you're, no, your dad ran it for a long time, but now he, John Binkley. Yeah. yeah. He's doing, um, he's with the Cruise Line Associate. What is it? Clea? Clea. Cruise Line International Association, I believe. So he, um, he was senator from Bethel. Right. And I got to do a podcast with him because he told me the story once. He's like, He's like a white guy who became, who would be like a native guy in Bethel, which is pretty kind of like crazy. Yeah. And, and, he was, and he was a Republican. And he was a Republican and be a Democrat. So um, we were talking a bit earlier. So you were kind of involved a little bit or you were kind of hanging out when he was running for governor back in 06? Yeah, I came back to the business. I went to, went to school in the late 90s in Colorado and then, uh, and then I messed around skiing for a couple of years. And then I came back into the business in the early 2000s and worked in the operations department heading up part of the boat operations. The, the captain told me that he goes, some many years ago, there's like a little step by the wheel, the big, the big wheel. Mm-hmm. They, I guess they salvaged the wheel a long time ago. It's an old uh, boat. Sh- the ship's ship, wheel, yeah. Ship, ship, ship's wheel. And he said, you used to stand on the little step to see over the wheel. Yeah. And he's like, now he signs my paychecks. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the nature of a family business. I mean, I went to work with my dad when I was five. I mean, what do you do? You, you know, you just follow your parents to work mm-hmm. on summer breaks and whatnot. And and, uh, you know, you, we were, I wasn't actually working, just kind of playing around in the boat. But, yeah, we'd, we'd start learning how to steer the boat and drive the boats and and then uh, work as deckhands, you know. So you drive the boat sometimes? Yeah. I drive the boat probably three or four times a week these days. It used to be a lot more. Do you really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No way. That's awesome. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, you didn't know that. Yeah, I got my captain's license. I thought you just did it once in a while no, for fun or something. I got my license when I was 18, and uh, I started actively piloting when I was probably 21 or 22. So you, you do the boat because, because can you want to or because like just only so many folks who can do it? Both. Both. There's only four captains working right now, all of them family members. And so we trade off and take turns. And it's important that I stay close to it too just to you know, make sure we're delivering a good experience mm-hmm. and everything's working good. So uh, going back, so you, you could, your dad ran for governor in 06. You were right. kind of involved a little bit in that or you were in the campaign a little bit yeah so so that's the infamous palin palin campaign yeah oh yeah those are fun days uh interesting times like today we have interesting times as they tell oh yeah uh uh, yeah i was working the business and my dad was president at the time my uncles have been president in the past as well happened to be my dad's turn to run the business and he decided he was going to run for governor this was in december of 05 and everybody looked around and nobody wanted to run it. So they said, well, Ryan, you're in charge. And, uh, and really? So, yeah. And so uh, January that's like, that's like the, the meeting when you don't show up, you you don't show up to the meeting and then you're, you're yeah, like, you're the president. Yeah, 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 that's kind of how it worked. And uh, and so uh, that was January of 06. I took over as president. So I guess, what, 13 years ago. And so I started running the we have two tours, the Riverboat Discovery and the Goldredge 8 tour. Started running the whole operation then and uh how many people do you get per year, like on the boats? Lots. It's got to be ten, <laughs> tens of thousands, maybe yeah, more than that, probably more than that. But yeah, we do. I mean, it's, 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 it's a lot of folks. We're very lucky that people want to come see us. And these and, are uh, people from the cruise ships, or? mostly. Yeah, about three quarters of the folks that go on our tours are here to cruise. You know? So the cruise ship sells it, or you guys sell direct? Uh, does, 
Both kind of or both. Yeah. You can, either you can buy it through the cruise companies or you can walk up and go on the boat as well. Yeah, it was incredible. And there was all the tour buses. It was really very well run. I mean, everything was so the guide, the, the, the commentator guy, JR. Yeah, Jim. Um, and just the whole experience. It was really just a really first class. Oh my god, experience. that's so, so nice of you. You don't have to say these things, you know, Jim. If, if it was bad, I would tell you. I mean, if it was bad, I'd he say does, it was really shitty. To, he has to say these things. <laughs> He's got a gun right now. Um, so, so obviously, your dad's was in politics. He was, you know, legislature, ran for governor, um, and then you guys recently, really, your I mean, people knew the Binkley family, but then you guys um, bought the ADN a couple of years ago. Yeah, and and that kind of, I think. A lot of folks were like, I thought they were like boat people. Who are these yahoos? So <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about the ADN and and maybe a lot of folks don't. I didn't know this until recently. You guys were actually before that looking at the news miner, right? Yeah. When they, when they were um, get being sold. Yeah, it was a, just this. You know, like a lot of these things in life, it was this coincidental serendipitous meeting that got us into the idea of newspapers. It was, it was, uh, well, I'll just tell it from the beginning. The Fairbanks paper was owned by Dean Singleton. Dean Singleton built, uh, media news group, which was the company that owned the Denver post and all sorts of papers all across the country. They had like 200 titles at one point or something like that. They're one of the biggest newspaper companies in the country. And, and he owned the Fairbanks paper. Yeah, he he didn't own it as part of the group though. He just owned it personally. He had bought the Fairbanks paper because he liked. <laughs> it's like his one off. <laughs> yeah, it really, it's really it really was. And so he sold all of those papers in the mid two thousands, but he kept the Fairbanks paper anyway. He he got to the point his, his kids didn't want anything to do with it, where he wanted to sell the Fairbanks paper. Finally, this was in two thousand and fifteen, I believe. And um, so. The, we got a call one day. My dad got a call from a guy in Manaqua, Wisconsin, out of the blue. And my dad had raced snowmobiles in Wisconsin in the 70s and knew some folks there, but not not for the last 40 years. I didn't know anybody there or hadn't heard from anybody there. So we got this call out of the blue. This guy's a newspaper man in Wisconsin, and he was thinking of buying the Fairbanks paper, but he'd never been to Fairbanks, didn't know anything about Alaska. All he knew was that he had a friend. Hmm, John who, Binkley. Well, he had a friend who knew some snowmobile racers from Alaska in the 70s. So got my dad's name from his friend and just cold called my dad out of the blue and said, I'm just curious about the economy, about the community, what's it like? You know, I'm thinking about buying this paper. And we kind of struck up a conversation and he came up and stayed with us and we looked at the paper together and ended up bidding on the paper together. We kind of realized for the first time what the business model for this random guy from Wisconsin calls your dad. And we became good friends and and decided Manaqua, Wisconsin, random place. Uh, Totally, totally random. I mean, like I said, these things are just coincidental happenings that propel you forward. And uh, anyway, you know, we'd always thought of the newspaper like a utility, you know, something that's always there, part of the community, you kind of rely on it, you kind of consider it your own, you know, it's like our own paper. And I never thought of it as a business, as a private business. And so we got to understand the economics of the business, got to understand deeply the impact on the community the newspapers can have. And so we decided we wanted to try and buy it. And we ended up not getting the Fairbanks paper, but we had, it had really piqued our interest. It was like a, like a non-profit type yeah. model, right? Yeah, a non-profit foundation purchased it, which is a new development in newspapers. and, and uh, Texas Tribune did something. You know about that? No, I, there's papers in Florida. The paper in Salt Lake City is going to potentially go non-profit. Texas now. Tribune, it was an individual, I think, they foundation type deal, mm-hmm. and it's uh, actually gotten pretty popular on, online. I think it's only online, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Robbie Robinson, you weren't there, but... Andy Pennington was there, the publisher for the ADN, and oh. I think David Hewlin was there. Robbie Robinson, who was the spotlight guy from Boston, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he came up here and spoke last summer, right. and 
he talked about the new models of kind of newspapers and how it's changed since he was doing it. And, mm-hmm. you know, when it used to be like, just, you had people, subs- you had, they had to buy the newspaper. Yeah. They, they had so many customers and now it's radically changing. Oh yeah. The, I mean, the paper business has been transformed in the last 15 years uh, and, and continues to be, which is something that makes it really, really interesting. So the Fairbanks thing didn't work out, but then this ADN thing came yeah. up. So then a year and a half later, we got a call from the former owner of the ADN, and she knew that we had been looking at the at the Fairbanks paper, and she was looking at bringing on investors or partners, and she needed some help running it, and it was in pretty tough financial shape, and so we met with her, and uh, we, you know, it wasn't we didn't. Just, oh, oh, hey, 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 Gladys, hey, Gladys, there, the, there goes the dog. It's a good, it's a good dog. Yeah, we'll we'll cut this out in post production. No, we'll, no, we'll, we'll 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 keep it. <laughs> Anyway, she she knew that we uh, hang on. Let me taking a quick break here, Jeff, folks. You, we got. You, I'll, I'll talk about that awesome uh, Fairbanks boat ride. It was, folks. If you're in Fairbanks, um, do the, the Discovery Riverboat because it is a awesome time. Great people. I'm plug, I'm plugging the, the Discovery oh, really hard right now. This is real life. Hey, we're pulling back the curtain. You can right? make checks payable to Jeff. You know, this Jeff is not Lyons some. For, this is for, not for, some for, glossy program. This is real life. All right. Okay. So what? Hang on. Hot, High energy, right? No filter. Gladys has no filter. Folks, if you're wondering, it's a it's a it's a, a spaniel, and it's a beautiful, dog. very very good Gorgeous. dog. Um, so we're going to Rogo- uh, Alice Rogoff in the oh yeah. So ADN. we were, so we met with Alice, and we we didn't really want to be partners. We don't partner very often in businesses, and uh, but we told her, hey, you know, if you ever want to sell it, we can might be partner with me though, right? I mean, let's just keep that on the table. Right? Let's just you. keep that on the table. We'll, we'll make. We partner for the election central. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Okay, good. Uh, anyway, so so we said, well, we could be buyers, but we're not interested in being partners. And it, what we didn't know at the time is that the finances were getting really bad at ADN. And so uh, she got to the point later that summer. This was 2017, where she was ready to sell. Because you got, I mean, I remember hearing they were pretty much about to like shut down. Is that? Yeah. That's kind of what the people all came out later when Medrid was covering all that stuff, but. No, it was. I mean, they uh, we kind of we kind of messed around in the summer of of seventeen. You know, we were trying to buy. She was trying to sell. We couldn't really agree on a value. Uh, was she, it hard to do a valuation on a newspaper? Yeah, when it's losing money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do you, I, it's like a lot of businesses kind of it just seems like such a, such a weird business, you know, to try to evaluate. Yeah, I mean, they you know papers are being bought and sold all day long, every day across the country. You can do it. It's. Uh, but this one was particularly interesting because they were not profitable, you know, so it was tougher to put a valuation on it. And uh, she was looking for other buyers. They had a broker that was selling, trying to sell the ADN all across the country. Every serious newspaper buyer in the country looked at ADN. Because she bought it from McClatchy, right? Right, right. Yeah, she bought it from McClatchy. Anyway, by the end of the summer of 17, the finances had gotten so bad. Uh, uh, this was in August. This was like August 12th of 17. Uh, they were... They hadn't paid rent in the in the building where the press was in almost a year. Is that the GCI building? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah, it is now. Yeah, they hadn't paid rent in almost a year. They were being evicted from the from the building, and, and rightly so. Uh, they hadn't paid health insurance premiums for the employees in like a month and a half. Oh my gosh! The policy was about to expire, and they didn't have enough cash to make next week's payroll. The employees had worked for a week on a two week payroll, and they didn't have enough cash to make next week's payroll. And we got a call from the. Uh, the counsel, the lawyer for for the seller, and they said this is Friday morning. Save today's ADN; it's the last one that's going to be printed. We're going to close the doors tomorrow, and send the employees home, and not going to print another edition. 
and we couldn't believe it. I mean, that's, that's how close it came. That was Friday morning. Uh, by late Saturday, we had uh, we had you know kind of convinced them to try bankruptcy instead of just walking away. And we had negotiated a. Asset so they called to tell you that the the deal was off. Yeah, basically, the that, deal's that, off. it wasn't about getting you guys to come on to, to buy it quick. It was the deal's off. Yeah, no, they, they just didn't have the energy to keep going. They, they didn't see a path forward. There were no other buyers, and so you know, and we had explored bankruptcy as an option earlier. It really wasn't attractive to them, but all those pressures, I think, you know, changed the calculus a little bit. And so Saturday night, whatever, thirty six hours later. We uh, agreed to loan the company enough money to operate through bankruptcy and agreed on an asset purchase agreement, and they filed for bankruptcy the, the night of the, uh, the 13th, I think it was, Saturday. And how long did it take to, for you guys to fully take, take over after the The bankruptcy, bankruptcy was just over a month. Oh, that wasn't that long. No, it was one of I the Med, fastest bankruptcies. MedRed was covering that one pretty, pretty yeah, crazy with yeah. his MedRed.news blog. Oh yeah, Craig's great. He, he, was, he, was he wrote about it very extensively. He he knew exactly what was going on. It was kind of a complicated deal, but but uh, very fast. We were able to do it very very quickly, which was good. I was in Australia then. I was traveling, but I was reading about it. I was like, obviously, it was something I was really paying attention to. And think think uh, thankfully, Craig was covering. That's kind of where I got most of the information about. Yeah, it. it's really interesting. That was my first time dealing with bankruptcy, and bankruptcy is a is a weird legal animal. God, is it fun? I mean, I mean, I, it's, it's, that's sort of a morbid thing to say, but unlike other legal proceedings, it's like things can happen really fast. Mm-hmm. And the judge has crazy discretion to basically just say, you're not getting paid over here. You are getting paid. We're selling this. We're not selling that. I mean, it, it's it's just a really interesting Oh, a month. I, 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 I would have thought it would have taken a lot longer than that. It's That's about as fast as you can do one. I mean, it was really quick. And we had to because the the the... Finances were so bad. I mean, they lost, and this was reported publicly, so I don't mind saying it. This is all, all came out in the bankruptcy. The first half of 2017, from January 1st through the end of June, they lost $4 million cash operating losses, just just burning money. That doesn't count what they spent trying to build their new printing facility. It doesn't count you know, what she spent to buy the business. That was just the cash loss oh, for the first half of the year. So it, the situation was really dire. It was, it was, well, it was out of business. So now you've been, it was a couple of years, I guess? Mm-hmm. You guys have had it. That was the fall of seventeen. So uh, almost so two years. Yeah. Coming up on two years. So know? what's it? I mean, what's it like being in the newspaper business for the last <laughs> year and a half? Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not what we thought it was. That I heard a quote the other day. Somebody said the trick is to make it make everybody think you had a plan all along. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a it's a really interesting business. It's a business that's been through uh, through really tough times. You know, I mean, it's been heavily disrupted. Uh, there's been this sort of like 10 years of trauma. I look around the newspaper business and, you know, people are just like, you know, it's just like they've been through the ringer. Uh, but it's starting to, there's a lot of signs that there's a digital future for newspapers. I mean, it's, there's a lot of real optimism in the business right now. Uh, it's a fun business, even though the economics are tough. I never knew how fun it would be. I, I'm an engineer by training. I never was into journalism. Was never. All, 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 you have four, three siblings, right? Yeah. They're, they're all engineers? Yeah. Yeah, your sister, she ran for the school board. She had, she had an ad on the landmine. I was pretty pumped oh, about that. Oh, did she? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, last... Now, she didn't win. Was that a part win. of the problem? Um, I feel she... like I, I should have done more, you know? <laughs> I like her a lot because she, she married John Sims from uh, NSTAR. Yeah. So she's, uh, she's in Anchorage. And then your brother's here, right? He's in... My brothers are both here, yeah. I, I met, he met him yesterday when I was... You let me store my bag in your office, which yeah. is 
Which was Wade, right? Wade, yes. Wade, Wade is my uh, brother, and then James is our other brother. So tr- truly a family business, really, really. Yeah, I mean, our our the riverboat side, the tourism side, is owned by our you know entire family, my dad and his two brothers and, and their kids and us. So there's a, a bunch of us. And then the newspaper side is just my siblings and I, the four of us. So, I mean, has it been, are you having fun with the newspaper? I mean, I know it probably was challenging at first to get everything mm-hmm. work. I mean, it seemed like it was a big mess you had to figure out to yeah get. yeah it was it was it was a big mess uh it it this has been like the most fun two years i've had in forever if i knew how much fun it was to be in the paper business i probably would have picked this career 20 years ago uh it's really fun i mean it, you get to learn you get to learn about every part of alaska you get to learn about every sector of the economy you get to learn about the nonprofit sector the the big institutions like the university and the military and and what's going on on the North Slope and with fisheries and timber or not not much going on with timber these days or, or mining or, you know, the government, you know, how, how that how that works. You just get to learn about everything. So with your role, is you're the you're the president or CEO, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So you have like Andy, the publisher, and yeah. then you have the editor. Like day to day, you're not – how involved are you day to day and what happens in, in the newspaper? The paper probably takes up about a third of my time, maybe a little bit less. Uh, you know, these days you can work remotely pretty easily it's, you know and you, you go to anchorage I, I see an anchorage quite a bit yeah juno yeah, sometimes I'm there, I'm there a lot uh so andy runs the day-to-day andy pennington he's our publisher he's a great career newspaper man and understands digital and, and the transformation and he's doing a great job and so he's the on the ground day-to-day guy and then he and i speak probably four or five times a week sometimes a little less depending on if he's traveling or not and then i'm there on site usually one day a week sometimes two sometimes three depending on what's going so on you probably got the uh, mvp right or maybe yeah. Maybe gold, even. Yeah, yeah I, got, I, got, I got some airline miles. You got miles. some miles, huh? Yeah. You, so you were in Juneau. Um, I saw you a few months ago. I assume this is can I, is this public, your new company? Is that? You, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. I don't know if that's... So you guys bought a... Like, <laughs> cut, yeah, cut the tape. Cut it out. No, no. You guys no, bought no. A, tour, a flight tour yeah. business, right? Yeah, we did. What's that? We What's, bought Wings Airways, which is another sort of iconic tourism business in the state. It's a fantastic business. They do fixed-wing flight seeing from Juneau, from downtown Juneau, right there at, uh, at the end of the, at the dock. And uh, they go out to yeah, the Taku Glacier off. Yeah, Lodge. I see them take yeah. off. Yeah, they, they take off right there, and, and they go out and visit the Taku Glacier Lodge. And it's just a, it's just a great business. It's a, it's a great tour product. It's been around for a long time. Uh, and we put together a group that, to, to purchase it. It's our family. And uh, some of the uh, some of the folks who uh, run the business there, who the managers that, that operate the business, and then uh, Bill Ayer, who was the CEO of Alaska Airlines, and yeah, I've heard Joe that Sprague, name. Heard yeah, that name. And Joe Sprague, who was a, a senior executive of Alaska Airlines, so put together a group, and uh, it's just been it's been a great business so far. So it's more or less you bought it, but it's kind of same employees stayed there. It's running the way it was running before. Yeah, exactly. Have you been on the? Have you flown on the plane? The, yeah. the Beavers, right? Otters. otters. Oh, otters. wow. Yeah, so. turbine otters. So 10 passenger uh, with, the, with the Garrett turbine engine, 900 horsepower engine, and uh, it's a great plane, man. Those things, they just have a ton of horsepower. So do you guys still have any business? Because you, you, were, you were living in Bethel for a long time when you were yeah. growing up, right? Yeah. What, what was the business out there? My dad and mom started a tug and barge business out in Bethel. Uh, so they were hauling gravel and building supplies up and down the Yukon and Kuskokwim rivers out of Bethel. And uh, they sold that in, goodness, the late 80s, I think, um, to, uh, I think, Crowley. I don't know. I was pretty young then. <laughs> I don't remember. Wow. So we lived on Bethel. And family's then, done so much in this state. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah, we lived in Bethel when I was young. I grew up in Bethel. And it's a great place. And then my dad, like you said, was elected to the legislature. And 
so we actually were one of the rare families that moved to Juneau. You know, like most of the legislators now don't bring their families to Juneau. Yeah, only a few, a, a few, few do. do yeah, but most of them. It was no. more common back then, and so we moved to Juneau, and uh, so I spent a number of years there and living in Juneau, and then you're to school. Yeah, yeah, I went to Capitol Elementary, but when that was still in elementary school, and then Harborview Elementary, and then, and then when I was in seventh grade, we moved back to Fairbanks. So you lived in Bethel, Juneau, Fairbanks. Yeah, Fairbanks and Colorado for a while, but yeah. Col- wow, you've been all. So what, your sister, your sister went to Anchorage. Right. She uh, she she got out of the cold. Fairbanks. <laughs> She's smarter than the rest of us, <laughs> I guess. Um, so I want to talk about the election central. There's a great story here that uh, nobody really knows, but I think we should tell it here. Um, so we did the, the state stopped doing election central in 2016, I guess, because of the cost cuts. Yeah. Budget cuts, and um, that really frustrated me because I always loved election central. It was always I don't know if. Fair, you guys used to have one here in Fairbanks too, or I don't know if they ever did one. I think they had a smaller I it if they did. version of it, but Anchorage was like the big one. You had yeah. the candidates, campaign people, the news people. You'd have kind of it was a party. It would go till you know midnight or later, and you'd have a lot of the younger kids like you know Logan Birch, yeah, my buddy. So he's yeah. Chris Birch's son. He used yeah. to say when he was a kid they'd go to it, and it was like the time he could stay up late, and it was yeah. always a big because his dad was on the assembly and all that. That's right. Um, so they stopped doing it. And I was like, this is bullshit. You know, I really want to have election central, so I kind of. Thought, well, why don't why don't I put it on myself? And I start looking at the Denina Center and the costs and the, to rent it out and all this. And I came to ADN. I talked to David. I think I talked to you at first, and then David Hewlin. Yeah. And you guys were like, uh, we talked about it to the costs and everything, and you guys were were on board. And I decided to also have a live panel. So we had Tom Hewitt. Yeah, T Bone, former former Fairbanks guy. Yeah. Who and then Sabrina Combs. So we we got bought the gear. We did the primary one. It was a pr- pretty good success. It wasn't a huge hugely attended event because it was kind of a last minute thing but but it was a success and we had a great time with it so i decided let's keep it going for the general and i came back to you guys and you guys were um cool with it but i think there was the one thing you, you no in, it was great in, in, I mean, in the you meeting you, you you said i have to not wear the garbage suit well somebody asked me <laughs> I, I was wearing I the i, I was wearing the landmine coveralls yeah the landmine coveralls somebody <laughs> sent me a text message and they're like this is great but why is the garbage man talking <laughs> on the microphone i can put him in front of the camera <laughs> So, so for the general, we had a lot more time to plan it. So I, I decided, I said, let's try to get some sponsors. Let's try to work with you guys and let's try to, you know, not, not lose money because oh, we yeah. paid last way to pay for the rental and all the, you know, the audio visual stuff. It was thousands of dollars. Um, so I got GC, GCI sponsor was one of the sponsors and then Dittman research. They covered, they covered the, give us some money. And then right, GCI yeah. gave us like iPads and yeah. we had the toilet. Remember the yeah, toilet we gave right. the rebath installed? Yeah. That was a big popular item. That's a but, real peak Alaska thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, people wanted the toilet Heck more yeah. than the iPads. Heck yeah. I don't know. It was bizarre. I mean, you think I'd prefer an iPad. Well, when push comes to shove, which would you rather have? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good, good way to put it. Um, but but uh, it, was inst- it was installed, too. It wasn't just a toilet. Oh, it was yeah. installed. Okay. It was, right. That's yeah. like a $900 value. Yeah. That's, that's a great value. Um, anyway, so I got to talk about this text message I got because I had decided I really wanted to make this, this sucker pop, right? So I reached out to my contacts at the um, Great Alaska Bush Company, famous, iconic Anchorage business. And I said, <laughs> why don't we get the Bush Company involved, you know, kind of really make that, make that event, kind of throw a little panache on it. And my plan was yeah, to have... I guess that counts as panache. <laughs> yeah. So my plan was to have uh, four or five Bush Company dancers show up in a limo at about 8.30 p.m. and then walk on to the behind the camera and then basically invite everybody to the after party win or lose come to the after party <laughs> and this was kind of my plan and i told a few people about it and somehow you heard about it yeah and i get this text from you yeah i think it was something along the lines of 
I'm hearing the Bush company is a sponsor. Tell me that's not true. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, I, I, I forget. I, I got to figure out who told me. Somebody tipped me off to this. <laughs> Talk about high energy. I mean, you got to understand, Jeff is a high energy guy. I know that you know that, right? Everybody knows that. And he's just going like gangbusters, getting sponsors lined up. I'm getting text messages from Jeff day and night. I got GCI. I got the toilet. I got this. It's all coming together, buddy. It's going to be great. So I'm, I'm psyched. It's going to be great. I love that. I love the chutzpah and I like the enthusiasm. And then uh, somebody else said, you know, Jeff's got like dancing girls coming to this thing. <laughs> well, you know, we're like a serious news organization. I don't know if that's exactly what the ADN brand needs right now. <laughs> so yeah, I fired off a sternly worded text message. I don't and know. I, I, think I, I, think, point across. I think I responded like, um, uh, well, talking to them, I mean, it's, I mean, I could, it's not like, I mean, I could, I could, you know, call it off, if, but it's, it's more or less. And you're like, go ahead and you need to go ahead and do that right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny because when I called back the Bush company, Don, who's the manager, I okay. told her, um, yeah, you know, the ADN and, and the GCI, I think probably not going to work out. Um, she's like, yeah, I was actually surprised they were on board with it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell her to buy an ad. <laughs> I should. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they need to. They're one of the few. I asked them to buy an ad in the landmine. Oh, yeah. But I think they're one of the few businesses that don't need to really advertise. I mean, I don't, yeah. They, they, they well have their clientele locked in you know, if you're going to go to that place. <laughs> That's right. I guess so. So it's a, I mean, it's a beautiful day here in Fairbanks. I mean, this is basically what happens in the summer, but yeah. you deal with these long, dark, cold winters. I mean, you don't mind it? Um, well, I was, you know, I've born here. I've lived here for most of my life, so I'm kind of used to the winters, but uh, you just can't beat the summertime in Fairbanks. I mean, it's even people around the rest of the state that don't spend a lot of time here, I don't think, understand how good the summers are. It's here. so it's nice. Incredible. I mean, it's like 70, sunny. It's 70 degrees outside. It's yeah. just beautiful weather right now. I just did a podcast with Scott earlier. Yeah. I was saying the same thing about, you know, how great the weather is and how the summers here are awesome. Yeah, it's, it's good. We suffer for it in the wintertime, no doubt. It's cold here, as everybody knows, but it's the darkness, really, that gets to folks more than the temperature. I mean, you know, we've got heated houses and garages, most of us, and you got, uh, you know, heated offices, and so it's just the walks in between mm -hmm. that, that are tough, but uh, but the darkness, you can't, you can't escape. That it seems like uh, some folks have said that, same in Anchorage, like in the past, it was it was a lot of snow a lot sooner. It was colder sooner. Yeah. And like I was here in last September and it was really nice. Yeah. Like mid September. Yeah. So is that, have you kind of noticed that the weather? Oh yeah. It's, it's been, I mean, it's been years since we had a real tough winter, like, like the old days. I mean, I don't know when the last time we hit 50 or 60 below was, but it's been a long time. And, and we did have a little cold snap last winter, but it was just for about four days. And then the rest of the winter was great. I mean, and this is going to maybe sound crazy, but for us, it was great. It was 10, 15 below, you know, to 10 above for most of the rest of the winter. It's actually, yeah, it's it's actually not as bad. And, and up here too, it's, it's uh, we're not on the coast like Anchorage, obviously, or, or other places. The, the wind, right? There's no wind up here, and there's no humidity. I mean, it sounds goofy to say it, but 20 below when it's totally dry and totally still is, you know, I, I would rather have that than 10 above and like a howling wind mm -hmm. coming off the water. I didn't. I didn't do it. I got to come back. But you guys have that 40 below freezer. Oh, you didn't do it? No, because yeah. there was a big line. And but I want to. I want to go. So you were VIP status. You don't wait in lines over there. Come on. Uh, I was just kind of okay. minding my business. I don't. I don't like to. You don't want. The you don't want to flash the VIP. But, sure. But, but, but you're but, a man of the people. That's but, right. But, but but I did get the uh, the whistle blow, which yeah, was the, my go. big takeaway. But no, you guys got this awesome freezer. So they yeah. open it, and I'm watching the folks in line. They put five or six people in there, and they close it, and they yeah. take a picture. Yeah. But I mean, it's like you, you open the thing, and it's like, damn. You well, can, yeah. You can feel the freezing air come out of it. Yeah. You know, it's. Uh, it must be not cheap to like maintain. I mean, it must. I mean, how do you? A lot of insulation. But, I mean, you have to like power it with a mm -hmm. freezer, right? I mean, probably yeah. takes a ton of power to make it forty below zero. It's, it's turns out it's tough to get 
down to 40 below zero. I mean, just technically, uh, it's got what's called a cascading system. So there's two compressors, one that pre-compresses the, the, the refrigerant and then a, a super low temperature compressor. It's kind of interesting. But, but yeah, one of the biggest questions we get, obviously, is it's so nice during the summer. We've heard about your winners. What is it like at 40 below? And so finally somebody had the idea. Whose well, idea was that? That's us. a great idea. Let's just, I don't even know who came up with it. It was a, it was a while ago. And, uh, and so we said, well, can we do this? We found a company in Michigan that makes these... Uh, testing chambers for like testing products down to super cold, cold temperatures. Oh, I, okay. So and, I was going to ask why somebody would make that. Yeah. For- yeah. So we, it's for testing, you know, the testing products and stuff. And so we built the rooms and then we bought the systems from this company and, uh, and install them and we get them down. By the time we get there in the morning, it's been cooling all night. It'll be 50, 55 below zero in there. And then with the doors opening and closing and people coming in and out, it warms up to about 35 or 40 below. I bet the company, when you call them, were like, wait, what? You want, you want to do what? Like, yeah. You want to put people in a room? Yeah. I mean, they they sell these systems for like, like I said, testing products or, uh, or various things, not for putting people in them. So, uh, well, that's a, that's a cool, that's a great, like Alaska yeah. type experience. You know, I, I, yeah, I saw that. I was cool like, this is thing. genius. Yeah. People um, like it. Well, Ryan, I want to appreciate, or I want to thank you for doing the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for it. letting me crash last night. I came here for that, um, public relations society of America. I, I gave the, Oh, monthly the big month, speech. How'd it go? It went pretty well. It went a lot of. It was like all like ninety five percent women, okay. and, and and a couple of them were like, oh, "I love your, I love your That's blog." Your crowd. Like, can I take a picture? I'm like, I, I got to come here more often. I mean, Humble this, brag, this not a big kinda, deal. It's like talking about groupies, you know? It was, <laughs> oh, it's was, it was pretty wild. The landmines got groupies now. I apparently, that well, means I was in really hit the big time. I was in Juno once, and I was in the public lounge, kind of that's where I was working yeah. mostly. And uh, these two women were in there from Catch Can, and I didn't. I recognized one of them later, but I didn't cause from Twitter. And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, are you Jeff Landfield? And I go, I go, uh, yeah, yeah. And there's, like, lobbyists in the room. They saw this. Can I please get a picture with you? I'm, like, a huge fan. Like, I'm a groupie, right? And I'm like, oh, my God, I've made it. This is this is it. Like, this is peak success, right? And I'm getting people to take, women to take pictures with me. That's it. You did it. So it happened again today. So <laughs> Congratulations. Joe Fairbanks. Well, anyways, thanks for uh, doing this. And, yeah, thanks for what you're doing with the ADM because, I mean, that's such an important, like you said, institution. And without, you were talking earlier about, you know, newspapers when, there's no newspapers in a city or a state or there's less media. There's more corruption. There's more spending. You said they're kind of like inversely related, right? The- yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of science in the last few years about what happens in small communities when the local media dies. And you can pretty clearly link it to a lot of bad outcomes, you know, where corruption, uh, uh, increased spending, you know, all sorts of crony capitalism. No one's, wa- that happen. Yeah, no no one's one, watching. Yeah. Yeah. No one's watching what's going on uh, to, you know, watching the folks that are in power. So I think it's incredibly important. I mean, it's important for the state. It's very important for the city of Anchorage and Anchorage is a great city and they should have a great newspaper and, and we're going to, you know, make sure that it's around for the long haul. Well, it's been great good to know you, and, and, and hopefully we can do Election Central again. I'll, I'll, I'll tone it down with the sponsors uh, next time. I- we'll ease our way into the dancing ladies. How about that? <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Ryan, and um, thanks for letting me, me crash. I appreciate the boat experience. It's been a first-class trip to Fairbanks. And, uh, folks, if you want to do a podcast or have an idea for a podcast, let me know, and we'll uh, talk to you next time. Landline.